you got a Bible, go to Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 1. The title of the message today is this. It's time to go back to the Father's house. Jesus was telling a parable, and uh, he was hanging out with a whole bunch of people, tax collectors, prostitutes, and it says, some of those that were especially, it says, predominantly, preeminently wicked people, Jesus was hanging out with at a house. I don't know who you think of when you think of a predominantly, preeminently wicked person. I don't know if you think an IRS agent. If you're an IRS agent, I'm so sorry. Um, but Jesus was with these people, and the religious leaders pointed a finger at Jesus and said, how could he hang out with them? And in response to that, he told this story. And it starts off with this in verse 22, or sorry, in verse, um, verse 11. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. This is a story called, famously called the, the story of the prodigal son. But it's really more a story about a father than it is about a prodigal son. This father had um, two sons. And um, you can actually go back a slide. I don't want to show the, the stuff just yet. And when you think of a father, what comes to mind? When you think about what a father is supposed to be, what comes to mind? When you think about your dad, what comes to mind? Now, some of that might give you a 17 thumbs up. Some, some of you might give 17 thumbs down. Some of you might go, eh, he's all right. But how many of you know that we have a heavenly father who is a perfect example of what it is called to be a father? And I was reading through scripture and looking at what is it that a heavenly father, our heavenly father is. And the first thing I came across is that he is compassionate. In Psalms 103.13, it says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so does the Lord show compassion to those who fear him. A father is first and foremost compassionate. The next thing I saw, and this was a big theme, is that a father disciplines and instructs. Now, I don't know about you, but my dad, um, I, was, I was kind of an active kid, and so I always slammed the door, and I always ran up and down the stairs. And one day, I was going to have a hot dog downstairs next to the TV. I was really excited to watch the show, and I grabbed my hot dog, and we had this ketchup bottle, you know, a pump spray ketchup bottle. And my parents had this beautiful wallpaper, you, you catch where I'm going, going all the way down the stairs. And I grabbed it by the top of the ketchup bottle, and I started running down the stairs like this. Well, I get two stairs down. The whole thing flips. Ketchup goes all the way down the stairs. It was white, nice, plush wallpaper, too, like, like kind of the, to the touch, like nice little floral flowers. The whole thing was covered in ketchup all the way down. Anybody done anything like that? Anybody? Sam? Anybody? You done anything like that? Yeah? No? No. Sam would never do that. Sam would never do that. Another time I would slam the door, and so my dad made me clean it all up. 
Another time I would slam the door all the time. So my dad made me a hundred times take the door and quietly open it and close it, open it and close it a hundred times. I was going crazy. And, and my dad would do all these different things. And if I did not think that my dad was the best dad in those moments, but I don't slam doors anymore and I don't run with ketchup. So, so it worked out. But fathers discipline and instruct. It's never a happy moment in that moment when you feel like you're being disciplined, corrected, instructed. But that's part of what God called fathers to do. Another thing I found is that fathers also exhort and encourage. By exhort, it's this declaration of this is who you are. This is this is what's good. This is what's right. To encourage, to come alongside and say, you can do it. You have what it takes. Proverbs 23, 22 says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. I like this one too. It says that another thing that happens in scripture is that fathers are those that launch. They are those that launch and give life. And it says this verse in... Um, You like how I'm really quick on the fly today? Psalms 127, 3 through 5 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children in one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame. A father is called, and a mother, is called to take their kids like arrows out of the quiver and help them to get launched and hit into their calling, what they're made for. And if you take a, a bow and an arrow, it takes a lot of energy to pull back and release that arrow. Parents, it takes a lot of energy to pull back and help your kid get launched into it. And the farther you pull it back, the more you're going to want to wobble. It's, it's a little harder. There's a lot of work it takes for a parent to launch their children into what they're called to be. A lot of step, a lot of like holding the line. This is not easy. This is the direction we're going. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and then release. We're called to launch. Parents, you're called to launch your kiddos. Parents are called to, fathers are called to protect Fathers know our needs. Fathers provide, they bless, and they give rewards. Now, your, this is what I just what the Word of God says about what a father does. Now, some of you, your, your history might be like, well, I didn't have a dad. Well, my dad was a bad example. Well, my dad was an okay example. But can I tell you that our Heavenly Father never leaves us, never abandons us, and He will always be there to do these things in our lives? And he will bring people to be Jesus with skin on, the Father with skin on in our lives. He never intended any of us to walk as an orphan without a father. I think one of the biggest things that you see all throughout Scripture is the Father's blessing. There's this one part with Jesus. He gets baptized. He comes up out of the water, and it says that there was a voice from heaven. It was God the Father speaking about his son, and he says, 
This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Kind of interesting. There's three parts to that. One, he's mine. He's with me. This is my son. Two, I am well pleased with him. Man, some of us in this room, you need to hear that. Well pleased. Lastly, listen to him. He has something to offer. And this is what fathers are called to do. This is my kid. He's with me. Two, I am well pleased. Three, he's got something to offer. And as we grow, we need the Father's blessing, all of us. We all need to know that we're not orphans walking around. Two, that God is pleased with us. And three, we have something to offer. This is my son, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So this father in this parable, he's got two sons. He's got a younger, he's got an older brother, who I'll tell you about more later, and a younger son. And, and this guy, it says this in verse 12, he says this to his dad. Can you imagine? You have a kid and he comes up and says this to you. The younger of the sons said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And his dad divided this father divided the property between them. Guys, I think it's crazy in this story. You think about it. He was basically treating his father like he was already dead. Hey, dad, give me the inheritance. I'm going to leave. And his father gives it to him. That's the even bigger miracle. He gives it to him. I think this is an example of the father heart of God. Even when we're off base, God never has a desire to withhold from us. Even in the midst of our bad attitudes and ill-conceived ideas, God is a God that wants to bless his kids. And you, you think about it, it says this, it says, and the younger said to his father, he divided it, father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me, and he divided the property between them. Verse 13, it says, not many days later, the young son gathered all that he had, and journeyed into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. It reminds me of those people that get a million dollars when they're like 20, or they're like, get into like professional sports, and they get the big contract, and they lose all the money. There was something in this where this guy didn't understand necessarily the inheritance that he had. I was thinking about this, and brought me to Proverbs 7, 6, and it says this, really interesting. For at the window of my house, I looked out, through the lattice, and I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. That verse, that word simple, I was looking it up, and this is what it means. Empty-headed and empty-hearted. Empty-headed, empty-hearted. That's what it means to be simple. My heart's empty, my head's empty. But guess what? My heart and my head won't stay empty for long. I'm going to fill it with something. When my heart's empty, I'm going to have cravings and desires. Like, I need, I need to, something to fill my heart. When my head's empty, I'm going to look for some sort of knowledge or truth or something to hang on to. And here was this young man, empty-hearted, empty-headed, not a clear purpose for his life. Not in a place where he had received from his father. And he decides that he's going to go so he can fill himself up. 
oh, guys, that's so many of our story. We want to run, and this guy, he goes. He goes to a faraway country, right? He tries to get away as far as possibly away he can from his father because he's going to figure this whole life thing out. But it says that he squandered his property on reckless living. Empty-hearted, empty-headed, I got to be filled with something. Guys, this is us. We're the simple. We need to be filled. But with what? It says this too in Proverbs 18.1. It says this, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. He went away. He went far away from everything, isolating himself. And in the end, he broke away from all sound judgment. His decision led him into isolation. And guys, I think seeking pleasure will do that. Seeking how to fulfill my heart will do that. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If the love of the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but from the world. And this is what this younger brother ran after. He ran after the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, pride, in possessions, and it floated away. John 3, 16, for God, what? So loved that he, what? Gave. Love will compel us to give. The father never changed the subject. That father kept just giving. I don't think that younger brother had received the love of the father yet. I don't think he had figured it out. But when my heart is satisfied, and I think this is the key with when it comes to the gospel, is that when we really find and gravitate to the love of the father, we come from a posture of already being satisfied. John Rockefeller, the first billionaire in America, was asked by a reporter. He said this. He said, someone asked him, how much money is enough? And Rockefeller said, just a little bit more. Isn't that interesting? Just, just a little bit more. The pride in possessions, the pride of life, the desires of what I can have, all this stuff, all of that's going to lead us to the simple place of just a little bit more. But if my heart is satisfied, the possessions, the work, all the things I do now have a purpose in the love of the Father. The love of the Father starts with satisfaction. But when love is absent, entertainment and pleasure become a for substitute. Why? Because if I'm empty-hearted and empty-headed, I got to get filled with something. We refuse to stay empty. We need something more says in verse 14, it says that when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods 
that the pigs ate, and no one gave him any, anything. He had such a crummy job that he got sent into the field to, to feed pigs, and he didn't even have the pods in his hand to feed the pigs. He, he must have been like shoveling manure or something. He didn't even get to feed the pigs. He was on the bottom of the bottom. When everything is stripped away, when I truly hit bottom, what's left in my heart? What, what, what drives in me in that space of the bottom of the bottom? This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. Psalms 107, verse 10. I love this passage. This whole passage is epic. But it says this. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. That's where this guy's at. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and, into, and the shadow of death and broke apart the bonds that held them. When? When they cried out. Verse 20 in this story says this. Then he arose. Sorry, he said this in verse 17. He said, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I'm perishing from hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your servants. And verse 20, it says this. Then he arose and he came to the father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and what? Felt compassion. Not condemnation. Not a pointing finger. Not like, well, about time you got back here. Not, not, you're not coming in here. No, compassion. See, a heart of a father, I, I think sometimes we get so riddled with the space of performance that we think that, that my performance is going to be the thing that justifies me or condemns me. But he was a son regardless of his performance. Regardless of what he did, he was a son. He saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, he had this rehear rehearsed speech in his head, right? I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And guess what? He's probably like, yeah, this is right. But what does the father do? And guys, this is what we're called to do as believers in Christ too. Where people come across and they say, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not, I'm not any of these things. And he comes across, the father ignores the whole speech. And he says this, but the father turned to the servants, he doesn't even talk to the son. Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. 
There is always hope for our future. There is always forgiveness for our past. And this is the posture we're called to live in too. You know, it's interesting. The shoes, servants didn't wear shoes. So he got shoes to show he wasn't a servant or just a worker. He was a son. He got the best robe. Remember the story about Joseph? He got the coat of many colors. That wasn't just, hey, here's a nice robe. That's a, you have my favor. You have my delight. You're my favorite. He was given a ring. You know what happens if you have a ring? You can make decisions with the business. You, you have authority in the house. So he was a son, he was a favored son, and he had authority. And lastly, the fatted calf, no shame, just celebration. We're so glad you're home. Now, you might be a dad in this room, you'd be like, I don't know if I'm going to give him the keys to the business right after he came and blew all the money from his inheritance. Super interesting story. There's this missionary out in Mozambique, and they really needed... Um, they really needed some cars for their ministry. They had a bunch of orphanages and different stuff. And so they were praying. And a gentleman, really, really rich business guy, um, felt like he was supposed to um, give, give some, some cars. So they actually gave them, I think, something like 15 like, Land Rovers. It was kind of crazy. Like, that's a lot of money. So they get like 15 Land Rovers. They come in on a container on a on a, off, of the, off of a shipping crate. They come in. And as they're going to pick up the Land Rovers, the missionary was thinking, just listening, and felt like the Holy Spirit said this, hey, I just want you to know, this summer, you're going to give those Land Rovers to your interns. And guess what? They're going to wreck every single one of them. And the missionary is like, oh, God, that sounds like a really bad idea. I kind of like these Land Rovers. Aren't they like almost like 100 grand? Or, I don't know. They're kind of crazy. They're expensive vehicles. Um, and sure enough, they sent out the, the interns, and they went and preached the gospel that summer. They, they did all this stuff, and every single one of those Land Rovers came back with a dent, a scrape, a missing mirror, a broken window, something. Ouch. I think this was the lesson in it, not that we need to be bad stewards with what we have. We need to take care of what we have. But I think God was making the point, one, we can always, he's always able to provide more. And two, these interns were worth the investment. And even though we fail, but we sometimes can fail forward, how much does it mean to us when someone, after we've made a stake, comes along and says, let me give you another chance? I need that. You need that. And a son is always invited back into the house for another chance. Shoes, robe, ring, fatted calf. But none of that would have happened if he wouldn't have come. And the, the son's responsibility was to come in humility and come with a heart that says, Dad, I've messed up. Help. But there was another brother. Everybody say another brother. Older brother. The older brother was in the field. Hey, he didn't mess up at all. He did what's right. He, he was faithful to dad. He was out in the field working hard. And it says this, now his older brother was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and he asked, what were all these things that were meant? 
And he said to him, the servant, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. This sounds like a middle child scenario. Anyway. But when this son of yours, notice he doesn't say my brother, this son of yours comes who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. He's in the field, he's doing what's right, he's serving the father, he's working hard. You know, I, I, I have found this in my own experience, and I don't know if you, that if I do enough I should, I start to lose the I want to. When you work hard for God, when you work hard doing the right things, it's like working in a, in a dusty field and you just kind of start getting dried out. But see, the older brother wasn't meant to stay out in the field. He was meant to go back to the house. God's not looking for us to work really hard for him. He's calling us to work with him. And guys, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know this from my own heart. When I work hard for God, I get tired, I get frustrated, the joy leaves, the love fades, and I find myself growing more stiff and legalistic. It's like, have you guys seen The Wizard of Oz? The Tin Man. He's out in the field, working hard. And one day, he can't move anymore. Until a little girl comes along with a little thing of oil, squirts it in his joints, looses them all up again. The Bible talks about the joy of the Lord being our strength. Guys, we need joy if we're ever going to do anything with God. And that joy doesn't come from working out in the field. That joy comes from working with God, standing with him. If you aren't getting a place of growing in joy in God, we, you got to pull back from the work and say, God, where's your voice again? I need to hear from you again. Father, speak to my heart today. The brother also came and he, he thought that they, both of these guys thought that either their performance would either um, accept them or or demote them but not the issue is neither one of that the issue is that both of them were sons but both of them ran into trouble why because they weren't in the house the son left because he wanted fulfillment out there from all the things in the world and the other son was working hard from the father but he was meant to be in the house the father calls us into relationship not the place of working hard and not the place of squandering it, trying to pleasure ourselves with what we can do. He's calling us into relationship. And in from that space, we do a lot more with him than we ever can do for him. Thanks, Kat. I need that amen back there. Come on. Someday we'll all pretend to be a black church, okay? I'll give you all hankies. We'll wave them around. It'll be great. Verse, <laughs> verse 31, he said this. 
Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. The older brother didn't realize. He thought, I don't even get a young fatted calf to have a good time with my friends. And the father's like, you could have asked all this time. I was never holding out on you. I'm never saying you can't. I, you just have to come to me. Our heavenly father is pumped to answer our prayers. But do we come or do we try to earn our way? When he's like, it's already yours. I'm already giving you what you need. Just come a little closer. Ask me. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The older brother wasn't losing anything by having his brother come back. He was just gaining back his brother. There was no need to be angry. Today we're going to celebrate the Father. Our Heavenly Father, who gives to us, never abandons us, blesses us. And I think there's two messages for us today. One, come back to the house. Come back to that place of seeking the heart of the Father and saying, Father, what, what do you have for me today? And two, it's not about working hard for God. It's about working with him. What is our Father about? It's not about being perfectly moral good. It's about seeking his will. What does God care about? That's what we care about. Not about all the things perfect. It's about if we seek him, we'll become like him. John 14, 1 through 6 says this. In my father's house are many rooms. Jesus was saying this to his disciples. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and I'm going to take you to myself. That where I am, you can be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, uh, Jesus, we don't know the way where you're going. So uh, how can we know the way? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus is the Father. Probably one of the most powerful things, seasons of my life that I've ever experienced. I was standing in my condo. And I was flustered with where I was walking with God. I was like, God, where are you? I don't notice you. I don't feel you. I don't know where you are. And I, I, I read this one passage in scripture all about Jesus saying, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into me. And then another verse was all about the Holy Spirit and how he loves, to, he loves it when, when, the, when Jesus is exalted. So I made this decision in my mind, and I think this is really key. Anybody who's feeling far from God, I think this is really key. I said in my heart that day, you know what? I'm going to read everything I can about Jesus. I'm going to sing songs about Jesus. I'm going to read the Gospels. I'm going to talk to Jesus. I'm going to ask him to make him aware and alive in my life. Guys, my relationship with God took off. Because the Father wants everyone to see Jesus. 
Jesus said to his disciples. Thomas is like, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus is like, Thomas, me. Seek me. You'll find me. You'll find the way. You don't know what to do. Seek Jesus. Sing your heart out to him. Say, God, show me who you are in your word. He said, I am the word. I'm the living bread. So when you read it, like, Jesus, show up in this. Show up when I pray. Show up when I sing. To orient your whole heart around encountering and knowing him. And you'll find that you'll find the way. You'll find the Father's blessing. You'll find what you need. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? Everything will get added. Is there something lacking in your life? Hmm. Seek first the kingdom. Hey, David, can you look at the air conditioner? Just You can turn it down on this, on this post here. Gary Lilani, can we uh, get the communion ready? It's through Jesus that we journey towards the Father's house. And folks, this isn't a one-time event. This is every day. So we're going to take communion together, not because this little wafer and this is a magical thing, but because when we turn our hearts and attention towards him, he draws us to himself. Jesus said, if you seek me, you're going to find the father. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you guys want to come forward, we're going to we're going to take communion together. And as you're doing that. I want to pray for fathers this morning. Because to be a father is a call to reflect the father. And I just became a father and I found out real quick, I'm not perfect. I I found out real quick that I have selfishness in my heart. I found out that my wife works a lot harder than I do. Um, I found out that I, I I am not a perfect example of a father. Jesus, open up that top flap. Take the little piece of bread and break it in half. Isn't this our world? Isn't this our heart? Isn't this our thinking and our emotions? And this is, isn't this our families? Isn't this our checkered past and our brokenness and every space? Broken. He became broken so that we might be whole. Taking this this morning is an act of faith to say, Jesus, I'm not just going to regard what I feel and see in the brokenness of my world around me. No, no, no. I am expecting that your broken body in faith is going to make me whole, my family whole, everything around me whole. So here, let's, let's take this together. Jesus, we eat this today acknowledging that you took our brokenness and you make us whole. 
We ask God right now for healing in bodies today, God. Every body in this room that's not whole, we thank you that you bring healing through your body. Broken, there was healing. Open that thing up. Don't spill on yourself. Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, cleansing us from all of our sin, all the condemnation, every space where we're like, man, I blew it. If you feel like the prodigal son this morning, this is for you. His blood poured out for the cleansing of our sin. And can I say this too? That guy came back spending all of his inheritance. What now? Can I say that the Father's got a good plan for him? That even if we blow it, he's like, the Father's like, I, I'm a good businessman. I can figure it out. Let's, we're, we're going we're gonna to work on something for you. It's going to be okay. So this is a cup of victory in his blood. And it's not just forgiveness for our past, but it's a hope for our future. He does all things well. Let's drink this in faith. Jesus does all things well. If I could just have all the dads stand. Every dad stand. I have a few people lay hands on dads in the room. Gather around the dads. As a dad, you're called to be an example of the father's heart to your kids. And so, God, we just pray over these fathers in this room. God, we thank you that you promised to give us help. Because, God, we're not perfect, but you are. And, God, we want to be those fathers that come to bless, launch our kids into their calling and their destiny, to be those that put on the best robe, the shoes, the ring to exhort and encourage to discipline and instruct to have compassion to give reward to protect God we just we want that and we say Holy Spirit would you help us would you help us we pray over each one of these dads this morning God grace to them a lot of joy to them God we pray that in Jesus name